Welcome to Armed and Generous. I'm your host, Luke Opliger. In this episode, we'll hear from Rob Smith and Joseph Brim. By day, Rob is a fashion industry leader, and he's got a dash of mad scientist. I should know I work with Rob at the DTC apparel startup Up West, where Rob leads the production and sourcing team. Joe, aka the Creative Evangelist, aka Below the Brim, is an award-winning graphic designer, entrepreneur, and creative strategist. Together, they formed a grassroots movement called Breaking Bread. No, this isn't some new carb-based diet, although I could get down with that. Breaking Bread works to bring opposing views into the same space to have authentic conversations, sometimes over a meal, but more recently over Zoom. Thanks, Coben. Their goal is to break down barriers and build bridges through meaningful conversations. And on the bread front, this is no joke, their first meeting was at a Panera. So lots of bread happening during Breaking Bread. They share their backgrounds and formulas for using their gifts and talents to create meaningful change in the world by facilitating and distributing thought-provoking conversations and content. We dive into a broad range of topics, but come back to the desire and discipline to always be authentic, to bring your best self, and to show up in a way that pays respect and honor to those who have invested in us. That's right, we're going to get deep. Rob and Joe work tirelessly to live a life well-spent and to provide perspectives and platforms for others to do the same. They've taken the road less traveled and they're living the armed and gen life by not wasting their potential, but instead maximizing it in every area of their lives. Let's get into it. What's your elevator pitch on on breaking bread? Can you break it down for us? It's it's funny you say it, Rob. We've coined it in in a sentence. It's building bridges and, and tearing down barriers. And that's literally how we, we sum it up. Rob can go into much more detail eloquently, but in that sentence, we build bridges and break barriers. Um, but I'll pass it to Rob to go into detail. Nah, for sure. So, I, I mean, as Joe said, we, we've tried to get to a place of um, simplifying it to the best of our ability. We use a number of different mediums of creating these conversations, but ultimately, like I said, is is breaking down those barriers and trying to figure out ways that we can build bridges ultimately to form community, right? Um, And what we've realized is when you create community, you're able to go a little bit deeper than just surface level conversations. So um, we've also been working really, really hard with our team to figure out different ways of engaging, knowing that everybody doesn't engage the same way. So we've kind of identified you have certain people that are at the place along their journey where they're observers, right? So they're, they're joining conversations, not to necessarily contribute, but really to just watch, listen, and learn. Um, then we have participants and those are, you know, people that are actively engaged in the conversations that are contributing in meaningful ways, challenging thoughts, um, being courageous and putting out questions that might be uncomfortable looking to really dig deep into the conversations. And then ultimately, we're trying to get to a place that we're um, hopefully creating facilitators and facilitators that could work within break and bread space, but ultimately also facilitators that when they go back to their communities at their families and friends, that they're applying some of the things that they've learned through our conversations in their spaces where Joe and I may not be, um, but they're able to bring a lot of those um, things in that, that space as well. So that's kind of the way we, we try to engage. And keep in mind to us, community isn't just being in the same vicinity. It's honestly about building relationships. And so 
we're not just trying to run through the neighborhood and have multiple conversations with multiple random people, though that may happen oftentimes, but we find ourselves inviting, um, creating groups of the same people coming to the same table. So there's comfort, there's relationship, and then there's a level of getting to know each other beyond our surface level disagreements or opposition, if you will, um, so that we can understand that though we have varying views, we still are alike and uh, we still understand each other, can have a relationship with each other. That's awesome, guys. Yeah, it sounds like part of what I'm hearing in there is, is not only is this something that exists for you guys in your world, in your community, but that's something that you intentionally are planning to scale and find ways to replicate and, and create more of that movement. Um, so one of the things I, I love to hear about, um, and I think we all love to hear about origin stories, you know, like the, the first Iron Man is so much better than the third one, right? The, when you, when you kind of see or the first Spider-Man, like they start getting their powers and you're like, oh, that's a cool story. It gets kind of boring when it's this big, you know, huge successful thing or when it's, so, you know, the superpowers are, are in full, full gear. So, so talk to us a little bit about the, the beginning. Um, you know, how, how did you guys start to think about breaking bread? What was the energy behind it? Uh, were you just kind of hanging out one night and you're like, I've got an idea. Let's do breaking bread. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the, the origin story here. Sure. So I wish it was as cool as, you know, something that just kind of started. But I will say in many regards, it was um, something that was needed for myself. Um, so I, I give you kind of the, the background context. And then obviously Joe could speak to it from his vantage point. So in 2016, there was a killing of Keith Scott in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where I grew up. And it, this was, you know, similar to the summer of 2020. If, if you can recall back, the summer of 2016 was also one that was very, there was a lot high emotions of, you know, unarmed killings of black men. And for some reason, um, and now, you know, hindsight being 2020, when, when Mr. Scott was killed in Charlotte, that one hit me. Um, it was my home city. It, it happened in a part of town that I was very familiar with. And being here now in Columbus, Ohio, watching what was transpiring in my city, friends protesting, it, it, that, one, that one hit me different. Um, and I did something that I had never done before, uh, which was, you know, it's, it's kind of familiar for me, but I did a Facebook Live. And I, it, what had actually happened was I was driving to drop my son off to school and I just dropped him off and just this wave of emotions that kind of overcome me as I was driving into the office. And I was just kind of at a place like I needed to express myself. And again, didn't necessarily know what to say to me. So I pull up into the parking lot and I, I jump on Facebook Live, I shared some words cut it off, said a little prayer, walked into the office. Um, I won't go into all the details, but I leave work that afternoon and my phone is like blowing up because I had actually legit cut off my phone while I was at work that day because I, I wasn't in the space, the capacity to really be engaging conversations with people. And one of the things were some, some friends of mine, Joe being one of them, that kind of reached out and was like, yo, like, what's going on? You good. And I'm like, yo, let's just, let's talk. Let's, you know, come together. So a group of us met at a local Panera bread 
And we started just kind of using that as an opportunity to talk. And ultimately the idea was how cool would it be if a group of us, as we're working through what we're going through, come up with ideas of different things that we could support each other in launching these ideas. And everybody really liked that. So then I felt compelled to like, well, I need to have an idea that I can put on the table. And the original concept behind Breaking Bread was once a month, I would invite people over to my house to have dinner and we would have conversation at the dinner table. My wife wasn't necessarily a big fan of having strangers in the house. Um, but, and I can't remember if it was Joe or somebody else. And ultimately kind of like one of the days we were meeting at Panera and they're like, well, what we're doing right now is breaking bread. It doesn't necessarily require it to be in your home around the dinner table. So mm-hmm. we all kind of bought into that idea. And that was the birth of, of breaking bread again, September, 2016. And we just kind of every week been going from there, but I'll let Joe share his perspective of Vantage. Yeah. Awesome. So <clears throat> that video that he's speaking on a few weeks or a few months before that uh a friend of mine that we actually worked together and um we sat in not in the same bay but i would go down and kind of pick with him because he was in a different department and i was doing design work in in another department well a few months ago uh, before rob's video he does a live video and he seems like he was quote unquote crying out and I did not pay it any attention um, because at that point in time in my life, I didn't care about, you know, other people's problems. My, I'm just, you know, all right, he's on Facebook, he's crying out and I let him be. Well, that next day he killed himself. Literally he killed himself. And I felt horrible because I felt like at, at my heart, in my heart, I should have reached out to him just to check up, to let him know, hey, you know, is anybody you want to talk to? Do you want to talk to me? Can I do something for you? But I did not because we weren't close friends. We were obviously just in passing. And I'm not saying Rob's video was that dramatic. However, you never know what state of mind anyone is in at any uh, particular time. So I had made a promise that if I ever see a video like that again, I am reaching out. And so I reached out to Rob just to check up and he was pretty much the exact same story he had. And so instead of just reaching out via a text or via email, I think it was text, uh, when he said, hey, let's just get up and talk, I'm going to be the first one at the table just to, hey, let me just make sure, put eyes on them, make sure you're all right. Now, let me, let, me, let me say this. Rob and I were not close at that time. We were not like buddy, buddy, hanging out mm-hmm. and things like that. We were honestly friends in passing, you know, hey and bye. Um, but I didn't let that become my excuse, and Rob didn't let that become his excuse to, to connect. And so we met up at that Panera Bread and the rest is history. Wow. Well, I think what's, what's encouraging about that story is that, is that you guys were intentional and you said, okay, let's, let's do something, right? I'm kind of sick of seeing this in the news and something hit home, something touched your heart and you said, let's, let's create action. And we, we've talked before, um, I think Joe, you had said it. It's like it's like love. Love is a verb, right? It's it's an action. Um, and I think for me, there's this notion of it's it's wanting to sit by and just say, okay, I'm gonna keep scrolling through my feed, or yeah, that's their problem, or someone else will take care of it. But I think it it shows a lot of leadership on both your guys' part to step up and say, let's let's do something about that. Plus, too, there, there's something ironic about it. Um, being at Panera too. I mean, they are, they are known as the bread company. 
So I'm like, you guys, <laughs> you guys picked the right place, you know, to, to start something called Breaking Bread. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it was honestly a, min a minimum valuable product. You know, Rob mm -hmm. truly just pulled up and with his networks of friends and associates who cared enough about his point of view uh, came to the table. And literally, there were no scripts, there were no plans, there were no anything. And we just sat at breaking bread and just start talking. And honestly, um, the immediate connections of surround, uh, surrounding, like exploring people's thoughts and ideas, there was a level of fearlessness because of Rob's, uh, you know, and I hate to use the term vulnerable, but in his, his moment of transparency, let me, let me use that term, in his moment of transparency, it gave the green light for everybody else to kind of come to the table with, you know, with no fear, open to, to discuss and be dedicated to kind of helping each other out. And literally all it took was a, a you know, $3 or $5, $6 in gas to show up and, and have a conversation. So our MVP kind of stood strong. Mm, I love that. Love that. And, and you know, you guys were, were kind enough to, to let me join a Breaking Bread here recently. And it was COVID and everything, you know, it was, it was online, it was, it was over Zoom. Uh, but I think one of the things that really stuck out to me was, and I, I've used this word a few times, but it was the intentionality um, and kind of the, the, the structure of it. Uh, so if you guys could give us a sense too of kind of how the, the structure of the Breaking Bread meetings, and, and I would say also kind of the goal of each meeting uh, as, as, you, as you plan those in the future. Uh, for sure. So um, it's, it's, it's interesting that you use intentional. So before we landed on um, breaking down barriers and building bridges, our tag used to be intentional conversations, authentic listening with the goal of seeking understanding. And I will say that mantra remains the same, right? So the intentionality, what you, what you had the opportunity to participate truly is just the evolution of what was once at the Panera Bread. So Again, I can go into each year how, you know, we challenged ourselves to kind of evolve. Um, but, but really, when COVID hit, we, we were on hold. And in a, a moment of full transparency, we, we weren't really pushing breaking bread. We were just kind of like our, again, now, to be clear, we, we thought that it was going to be a couple weeks. <laughs> we had no idea it was going to be a year. Right, right. But, but the community reached out and and there was an opportunity where my sister-in-law who was a part of a group was looking well had wondered if breaking bread would be open to creating a virtual space so those in north carolina could contribute and reached out to joe I'm like joe the community needs us uh and he's like yeah let's get it. so we we quickly pivoted we hopped on a call and and we figured out a way of making it work um so but I will tell you, it's again, it's the evolution of what started in 2016. Fast forward to when we were recording Burst and Bubbles, like our video slash podcast, to responding to COVID and trying to figure out how do we maintain the sense of intimacy and what we now call, you know, our, our community, our virtual community tables. So like we, in the birth of all of this, we created a new product, if you will, um, which is our virtual community table. Um, so that's kind of the format now. I love that. Yeah, I think for, for me, it was, you know, it, being a year or so into COVID, you know, it, it's not uncommon for award shows or um, team meetings or entire presentations or, you know, everything's moved virtual. And so I think there's, um, 
it, it, it felt very normal and natural. And I think you guys did a great job too, because in the session I was in, you know, Rob, you started with a couple of videos as well. So it kind of, it kind of worked as a stimulus, uh, kind of a, a, a prompt for, for the evening, and then kind of worked through it from there, which I, I thought was really powerful. And that's a new addition. Yep. And okay. keep in mind, before, if you go back and look at our archives and our previous work, you'll see that Rob and I were pretty much the face and we led a lot of the conversations, um, you know, from just our perspective. And we've always, always tried to push that away from us. Like, hey, this is not about us. It's about the community. And we've, we've tried to figure out a number of ways that this could happen. And when we asked or when the community asked us to kind of create these virtual communities of virtual table, Rob and I simultaneously were like, listen, this ain't about us, man. We just, we got to mm. figure out how to make it about them and give them the space to speak. And oddly enough, that created uh, or allowed Rob and I to evolve into facilitators versus, you know, leading the conversation with our thoughts or whatever the case may be and someone spectate. And so um, with, intent practice and, and Rob, you know, building out programming and kind of thinking through and, and testing and trying uh, certain things, you know, you're, you're seeing what that evolution looked like. And, it's, and it's, 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 it's simple, right? We tease up a topic and then you notice we round Robin. We, we don't lead, we just, this is the topic, whether it be through video, whether it be through Rob with a question. And then um, old mean Rob starts making people talk. And he, he makes everyone in the room talk, whether you like it or not so that your voice is heard. And, and, let, and let's add this to it. He doesn't put a time limit to mm. you speaking too. So he allows you to have the floor for however that, that may be. And what him and I do along with a, a, a young woman named Michelle, we watch the crowd to see if it's hitting with people and who may, who may have something to say. And so we, we start, you know, facilitate, hey, hey Joe, I see you making a face. Go ahead and, and tell us what's on your mind. And right. yeah, we're calling you through the carpet, but you're owning your uh, your voice and, and we're giving you space to have that voice. And then after that, you know, there's a level of like self-discovery, whether it be listening to Luke con contribution mm. or whether it be through something you said. And oftentimes you may have said something that later on you're like, crap, I shouldn't have said that. Or <laughs> you stand you stand further behind it. Sure. But what that does immediately is give you a personal call to action. And that call mm. to action minimally is you know watching the words you say and or the value it brings to a conversation which you know i think um you could you could experience that if you come to one of the tables yeah it was it was it definitely made me feel like i was back in college i was like is this professor smith here who's gonna <laughs> call my name in the in the big lecture hall but it was good you know and you you felt like okay i, I better i better bring i better bring it you know bring it to a different level um and it what again what what it, what it was great about it because of the intentionality it created an atmosphere that felt safe and felt like there was some trust and you could kind of because sometimes especially when you're talking about sensitive topics right Thing, things around race relations things around um you know men versus women in the workplace and it, these are these are topics where you're like i don't want to say the wrong thing i'm trying to grow i'm trying to learn more um, but I think you guys create a really safe space, which is really important. Uh, and I really appreciated that. So I will say just look, um, yeah, I know please. this is a podcast, but we, intentionality is one of our things. So I will tell you, we don't try to create a safe place. We try to create space. So what mm. we've recognized is at times it, it takes, 
it takes people being courageous and putting themselves up there. So our job is to create, to your point, create an atmosphere where you have the space to engage. Your safety is protected by the community where you know that everybody is showing up to this space is there to be respectful and to hear out your point. At times it may not feel safe because you're leading with that vulnerability, but right. you know the community has your back. And then that's a great distinction. You know, it's, it's more around the mutual respect um, aspect. So it doesn't, obviously the one I was on did not turn into a shouting match or Absolutely. Some, some sort of um, unconstructive situation. Yeah. Which is great. You know, Rob, I'm gonna go back to something you said. You had mentioned something called bursting bubbles. And just, just to clarify uh, to the listeners, so Bursting Bubbles is, is a content series, a campaign, uh, when Rob and Joe essentially are, are looking to step out of their comfort zone and get their bubbles burst, which is not something we naturally do, right? You, you kind of like to have your bubble where it is. You feel like, you know, I think you have mentioned it, Rob, on, on one of the podcasts, you're feeling good and you're, you're having a great day and you're like, don't burst my bubble, right? And you guys are inviting your bubbles to be bursted, which I, I think is, is, is really cool. And watching the series, you know, I really got a sense of there's, there's a breadth and a depth here of, of what's being covered. You know, everything from the measure of a man to wearing masks, not, not the COVID kind, but you know, kind of an emotional mask, dedication. And I know you guys hit on some pop culture uh, around Kobe and Kanye, and you could probably have a whole podcast just devoted to Kanye. Um, Although he, he would like that. He seems to like himself a lot. But um, I think that there's, that there's a lot to talk about um, in all those subjects. I wanted to ask you guys, you know, is, is there a particular episode that sticks out in your mind as you think uh, about what you guys have recorded? Uh, I'd love to hear about any, any kind of nuggets or little moments that you say, you know what, this, this really was it. This is bursting bubbles uh, really coming to its full, full fruition. I think Joe and I are racing to the mic because I'm sure we're That's going right, to- man. We're racing to the mic. I was going to see who go first. I can see. All right. So, and you can tell me quickly if, you, if you're the same one. But my favorite one is actually Crumbling Cookies. Um, so Crumbling Cookies was a burst in bubbles conversation that my son actually brought to me um, where he wanted to have a conversation about bullying. Uh, so and I, I'll tell you why this one meant so much. It meant a lot to me because it showed me that my son is paying attention to what we're doing and the fact that he he saw value in what we were doing and wanted to lend his voice. So um, when that when that opportunity presented itself and he came to us, I shared it with Joe and Joe was like, I love it. So Joe invited his two daughters. And, and again, we, we had a conversation with, at the time, I want to say a 10, an eight and a six year old around what does bullying look like at school. So for me, that's probably one of my favorite episodes because I was able to see that my son was seeing the work that we were doing. Mm. And my girls thought they were famous and because we were, we recorded it and, you know, they, they were on Facebook. But that was, I literally typed that out. That was one of my favorites, the crumbling cookies. And then on a personal level, the most recent, maybe two weeks ago, maybe even less than that, um, the mom versus dad guilt. And I guarantee you that conversation was an aha moment because it translated um, a perception of, of um, what mothers uh, have and, and the, the vantage points they have with taking care of the home and their professional life. 
and what the father and, I, and, and I'm not making this a, a male female type thing. It's sure. just in my household. That's, that's just what it is. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, Rob had asked a simple question, which was there's an opportunity to go on a business trip. And, uh, and in the room, when I say the room, I'm saying the virtual, the virtual table, uh, which was 50-50, to be sincerely honest, 50-50, 50% male, 50% uh, female. Uh, and the, you, you have to take this trip. Who goes? And I, can, I, I cannot explain how it happened, but 100% of the females that had responsibilities, quote unquote, at home were like, uh, they were hesitant. And most men were like, yep, we're going. And we, were try- we talked through why was that? And why, why w- was that the system holding you back? Or was that um, your, your own um, ideology of like responsibility around the home that's holding you back uh, on both levels? And I just had an aha moment. And, and I thought that that translated into some of the race conversations, some of the sexuality conversations, some of the religious conversation. Mm-hmm. That, there was a, a nugget in that that I felt was, was huge. So those are my favorite too. I love it. Yeah, it's sometimes the, the, simple, the simplest questions, and especially hypothetical ones, you know, can really, can really unlock things for us. And I think that there's, to your point, there are, once you find kind of that commonality, it's like, um, you know, the matrix, you know, when they kind of see all the ones and zeros or, you know, you, can, you kind of, your eyes are open to, oh, wait, there's, there's some bigger things going on that, were, that existed before me and will probably exist after I'm gone. And then how do you manage through those societal or cultural, you know, norms to say like, look, we don't have to live this way, right? Like we are, we're our own people, we're our own group. How can we kind of navigate through that? So I think that's great. So if I could share real fast, and you know, my wife always told me I I share too much, I'm I'm too transparent. But, But what we've actually been able to do over the past few weeks is when those moments happen in real time, Joe, myself, and, and our marketing lead, like they, we call those the bursting bubbles moments in real time. So we're starting to capture those ahas and figure out, okay, our unique perspective on that conversation, like if we had that discovery with just nine of us on a, on a virtual community table, what does that look like when we start to use that same philosophy and approach in all the other um, mediums that we're, that we're cultivating and building? So we, we are intentionally now trying to grab those moments and recognize that this, this could be a very interesting conversation, again, depending upon who the audience member is. So like from an observer, what does that look like to have this conversation where an observer could really get something out of it? What does it look like us to build a program around mom versus dad guilt? So, so that's an example in real time of us identifying, but using kind of that bursting bubbles mantra to say, how do we make this live beyond just this one random Wednesday night in February or March. And like, this is a real meaningful conversation. And let's make sure that, not that we're trying to maximize it, but we want to make sure that when those moments present themselves, we, we support it by being able to put it in as many places that make sense so that as many people can engage in that conversation and contribute to it. I love that. And I, again, I think that speaks to your guys' mindset around um, scaling you know, and kind of saying, how, how can this thing grow and affect the most people possible and not just be for a, a kind of finite community? So now let's, let's kind of think future, future state. So you guys, um, I know you guys like to build and plan and uh, kind of dream about the future. Is there, 
what's what's your sense for future episodes and kind of where where you see bursting bubbles going now that's a that's a really good question so i will tell you it's it's always a balance between being really strategic but also being in the moment and responding to what's going on so i'll give you a, a really good example and i don't want to date this but i will say we had a whole strategy around the first two weeks of March and then second two weeks and what those conversations will look like. And then unfortunately what transpired in Atlanta took place. And we had to make a decision that our community needs to talk about what just transpired in Atlanta more so than our intentionality of trying to push this one piece. So Luke, what you actually had the opportunity to see was us trying to balance out that mm -hmm. okay, we had a strategy in place that this was going to be the theme of the conversation but we also recognize that there's a moment in time where our community needs to have this conversation. So I, I, I will tell you what, as I think about the future of Breaking Bread is one, building a solid team. And we've, you know, we've transitioned from being grassroots to starting the process of really formalizing ourselves to, to really put together a positioning that allows us to maximize and touch as many people as we can through our lens of having these types of conversations. Um, but also being agile enough that when moments present themselves, we are a trusted brand or a trusted resource that the community can look to um, that welcomes these types of conversations that most people would avoid. And keep in mind, we, we uh, considered this a service unto God, like a, a ministry. And when we say ministry, we're not, we're not talking, um, traditionalized institutionalized ministries that many of us are familiar with and one of the things that uh rob and i uh all we know we speak about is the thing that's sometimes missing in our churches is actually being part of the culture like being in the culture and being in the community being readily available to shift the transition to be in position to not only receive voices but also encourage build so on and so forth and so, you know, there, there, there is a schedule, and I used to hate when Rob said this, but he said, you know, we do the work, God does the increase. God will decide which mm. way we go. And I don't want to turn this into a religious, you know, a, a religious sounding thing, because it's, if you know me and you know Rob, we're far from religious. We're, it's all, all relation. But um, th that's, that's part of what we're trying to do. We're, we're a part of the culture. We're, we're on the ground. We're grassroots. We're in the mix. And our platform isn't Rob and Joe's platform. It's our platform. And that's the point. You come to this platform, and if you want to run with it going left, and we planned on going right, you know, we have the uh, know-how and the ability to, to make those adjustments and make sure that it's successful either way. Yeah, just to kind of in that a little bit more, and Joe hit this something, that, that ministry mindset, it actually it frees us a lot, right? So... Ultimately, our job is to be committed and show up. So, you know, on Wednesdays at 7.30, when we say we're going to be there, we're going to be there. On Thursdays at 7.30, when we say we're going to be there, we're going to be there. And there, there have been times that we've had, you know, between Joe, myself, and one other person. And then there's been time, there's been Joe and I, and there's been 10 other people, right? Um, the, the reality is our commitment is to breaking bread. Ultimately, who needs to be there will be there. And I will tell you, we've had some of the best conversations when it was just three people um, because we were able to get very intimate 
man, we've had fantastic conversations when there's been 10 people there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So ultimately that, that commitment is to making sure that the community at large, you know, whether those that know about Breaking Bread, heard about Breaking Bread, know that, again, if we have a virtual community table X amount of days or we have this program, we're going to be there and we will be there for whoever needs it. So. No, that's awesome. It's interesting too, as you guys, it's kind of ironic that it's called bursting bubbles. Cause I've heard, I've heard that a lot of times, especially for Christians, that there's a kind of a Christian bubble that they can live in. Like there's Christian music and Christian school. And, and I think that that can be true for a lot of different religions or um, even folks who are really involved in politics. Like you kind of start to get in your own bubble um, and then to your point, you're not reaching out to the community. You're not actually plugged in and you just start talking to yourself, you know, and it's like, that was cool. We just kind of pat each other on the back and said, way to go, Rob. Like, I'm glad you think that way. Congratulations. You know, and it's, it doesn't feel like there's, there's forward momentum. Um, so it's cool that you guys are, are carving that space out. I was going to ask you guys too. I know um, you, you had your kids on as your guests and, you know, sometimes you'll have guests on the show. Uh, are there, as you think about a dream guest, you know, kind of opening it up, we'll kind of play pretend here for a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but this, let, let's do the classic living or dead. Um, mm -hmm. You know, is, who would be your dream guest to have on, on Bursting Bubbles? So be, be, besides, besides me. I mean, I'm happy to do the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you, um, honestly, and I know I'm going to say it because I know what's going to happen. I'm looking forward to the day that me and Kanye have a conversation. Uh, there, there, there are many things that fascinate me about the way that he thinks and the the, the views that he have. Um, I'm a, I'm a, people know I'm a Kanye fan, right? I'm, a, I'm one of those that I rock with my guy. I'm, I'm a, I'm a defend him, but I hold him accountable. So I would love to. I'm looking forward to the day that that we have the opportunity to engage in a conversation with Mr. West. I have awesome. I have two ideas. One is Dave Chappelle uh, because of the mm. way he thinks through things. I would love to sit down and have a conversation with him. Uh, but I'm going to cut that short, and I'm going to drop this on you. I would love, and I wish it could happen, but it will not, is for both Rob and our fathers to be on a show. Wow. And, you know, there is a reason behind the way we think and the things that they provided to us as young African-American men. My father was not a part of my daily life. Um, he had me at 17. My mom was 16. Uh, I don't know Rob's story, but um, Rob's father was a part of his life. But me and my father became what I would consider great friends, if you will, mm -hmm. at a distance. But it was still a level of respect between us that, I've, that uh, I learned a lot from him that um, has positively impacted my life. If I could sit myself and Rob down and his dad and my dad down and just have what we would call, I call it lion talk, just grown men talking about life and, um, you know, the, their trajectory and what their perceptions were and how they may have been wrong on some things so that it could curtail some of the stuff that I'm running down the, the path uh, headlong trying to accomplish. That would be one of my, one of my dreams. So, you know, Dave Chappelle, but, the, the 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 ones I think we'll have later on in life, after life maybe is mm -hmm. with, with our fathers will be will be awesome. That's a good one, Joe. That's a good one. 
Yeah, you can't really top that one. That was <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I think there's something about um, as as a man, you know, thinking about your father and his and his journey and what that looked like. And I know for me, you know, I've I have a good relationship with my father, but it was he he lives pretty far away, so they're out in Denver, and so we we talk and you know we text and we get together, but um, there's just something I, I like that term line talk. There's something that happens when you're like, all right, we're going to get, we're going to get real here. We're going to talk about what, what it means to be a man on this earth and be a father and be a husband. And um, I've experienced that a few times, whether it's like a men's retreat, like at church or kind of just around guys who are really um, just, just seeking to build on each other. And it's, it's pretty powerful. So Rob, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to you. So I know, you and I get to spend, you know, at least an hour together every week. So just to share kind of the shape of our work. So Rob and I work for essentially a startup uh, inside of a larger organization. And Rob and I are both on the, the leadership team together. Uh, but our, I, I run marketing, he runs uh, production and sourcing. So our actual jobs don't overlap a ton, uh, but I do, we do get to see each other in that, in that context. And one thing that I've heard you say a few times um, I'm going to try and get the quote right, so don't, don't kill me if it's not perfect. Uh, but you, you say something like, I'm the same person at work as I am at home. Um, everywhere I go, I'm the same person. You're getting the same Rob Smith, no matter where you might encounter me. Um, that close enough? Did I get that about right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so, so tell us more about that, because I think that's, that's a pretty rare uh, quality to have, uh, is someone who is not a chameleon right? They are, they kind of are who they are, wherever they are. Um, talk to us about that and kind of how it plays out in your life. Oh, man. So th there's a lot with this. Um, so I'll start with saying um, there's a, there's a Mal Davis quote that, that I reference a lot when I think about this. And the quote is, man, sometimes it takes a long time to sound like yourself. And, and the way that I apply that is so obviously we're in the fashion industry. So when my coming up through the fashion industry specifically started with my days at NC State, so College of Textiles. So from 99 to 2021, I can count literally on one hand how many people in leadership within the organization that I could identify and resonate with. And there hasn't been a lot. There was one interaction um, that happened when I was working for a brand in North Carolina that was like this moment of no matter what accolades you accomplished, no matter where what you've done, um, you're just never going to be enough for some people. And then there was a situation that took place where I um, had the opportunity to, to meet a, a young man that worked in the distribution center um, at, at our organization and ran into him in the cafe. And he was taken aback that somebody that looked like him, that dressed like him, worked upstairs, and I use air quotes, and, and, and you would have thought it was 1905 and we were just, you know, like it, it, 
it tore me up. So, so for me, again, there's many levels and I, I've, I've talked about this a few times, but what I will say quickly is I recognize over the course of a few different moments, the importance of me being my authentic self in the spaces that I'm in to not only be the example for those that are looking for somebody that they can identify with, but to also be the very person that um, what you may think about a community, I'm that as well. So I used to get this thing at work all the time when something would happen within you know, the African-American or black community. Oh, but Rob, you're different. Oh, but Rob, you're different because they shared space with me in a work environment that they made whatever assumptions about what it took for me to get there without understanding that I was born in the South Bronx. My, my, my dad moved to North Carolina because he was in the military. I have family members that are in situations. I have friends that have made different choices and had it been not for God's grace, those same stories could be me, you know what I mean? So, so the importance of me being, you know, owning my identity, owning my story and being comfortable enough with saying that, you know, no, I, I am, you know, that. The other part of it, quite honestly, is I just got to a place that I'm, I'm really comfortable with who I am and I, and I like me. And the, 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 the simplistic part about it is it's so much freeing and liberating being just one person. Uh, I don't, I'm, I've made the choice and I will tell you this, I've made the choice not to code switch and not to have different personas burst upon the room that I'm in. And when I made that cognitive decision, I also welcomed whatever consequences, positive and or negative that were affiliated with that choice. Mm. So I was perfectly comfortable if that meant even with the career aspirations that I might have, some may not welcome that version of me. Um, I was perfectly comfortable with that may mean certain opportunities may not present themselves. Um, what I will say at this stage of my life, I am, I have been pleasantly surprised by how good God has shown up in my life mm. and where I don't think I've, I'll say this. I trust that the pathway that God has laid out for me, everything that is for me has been presented to me. Um, and I have been learning to walk in faith, but part of that faith is being confident that and who I am and how I show up has to be the way that God made me. And, and with that, you know, I own, you know, as to, to stay hip, I want all the smoke, all the smoke that comes along with being my authentic self, positive and or negative. Love that. I appreciate that about you. Yeah, I remember when we had our leadership offsite, that's really where I got to know you well. I felt like we were together for about 20 hours that day, but we, <laughs> it was like our, like the first 10 minutes, I was like, oh, okay, Rob, Rob's going to keep it real here. Okay. <laughs> but it was good. You know, I felt really challenged, uh, but it, in a really um, positive way, yeah. you know, so I appreciate that about you. Joe, yeah. I think uh, similar question for you, you know, as I you know, kind of researched uh, for, for today and in, in the podcast, you know, I saw that you talk about authenticity at all costs as well. And I think it was on your website, you talk about a confidence that comes from knowing who you are and what you stand for. And I just wanted to hear a bit from you, how kind of how that's played out in, in every area of your life. 
it's honestly how you stay in your lane and you can become maximally used by um, whoever is in need, whether it be, you know, used by God or used by family or used, it, you, it, you, you, you're, you're true to yourself and coupled with God's grace, right? It's the also knowing who you are. Because if you don't truly know who you are, I think one of the tricks is me trying to become Rob. And that means I am now out of my lane. And now I'm stealing Rob's blessings, thinking they're mine. And now we're in conflict because he's now uh, missing something that I'm stealing because I'm not being confident and authentic and true to myself. There's a level of vulnerability uh, when you walk in your authenticity that it's a lifestyle. Um, because you're putting who you are on the forefront at all times. And it, it leaves you open, honestly, for people in power to uh, dismiss you or accept you. And, and it's all based on who you naturally identify with. But there's also an extreme ownership in knowing who you are and being your authentic self and owning not only the rewards that come with that, but also the consequences that come with that. And, um, that was something that I've learned. If you can't live with the consequences, the bad things, right? If you can't live with those consequences, then you shouldn't walk this path. Um, and so this gives us, uh, it gives not only uh, confidence, but it also thinks it grounds you in humility because you also see your imperfections and are aware of those imperfections, but you're not shying away from those imperfections. You can stand in those, those flaws, if you will, or so those moments of opportunity confidently and also open to, to change and to redirect or become something better um, because you're you, you have a, a, such a strong, a strong foundation. So, um, you know, there are times where you're, you're tempted to code switch and, uh, you know, to, to make your way or to make a mark or to move in a certain di a, a direction. But you know, I think there's a level of, of, of success when you don't have to or don't feel like you have to do that. To, to become successful in, in spaces that you are. Um, so that's kind of my stance on it. It, it, it keeps me in my lane. Mm. No, what, what's, what's interesting about that, and I, thank you guys, I appreciate that. I think a lot of times you hear stay in your lane and that it almost sounds negative, right? Like you're confined, right? Cause you know, I'm sure you've heard that before. I've heard that before. Uh, whether, you know, if I come from a marketing discipline and if, you know, there's something in the technology world or, you know, some other department. And it's like, Hey, I, I had this idea and, and people might say, Oh, stay in your lane. Uh, but I, I think there is, there's something really freeing and empowering to say, no, this, this is how I've been wired. This is how I've been designed. This is how I've been blessed. And here I'm going to show up in this situation to bring my full self. Um, come what may, you know, and, and it, it could be positive. It could be negative. But you know what? at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's who I am. And, you know, we only have, we only have so much time on this earth. So it's, you know, you might as well live it out uh, how you were designed to live. Yeah. And keep in mind, you know, ideating is, is, is positive, but I can't come into your work environment and tell you what you should be doing the way I think you should be doing. I've crossed lanes now. Mm -hmm. Because I have no experience in that space sure. to tell, you know, Rob, this is how operations work in the fashion industry and you should do it this way. And this is what it should look like. And, and then I take the reins and try to control it, you know, uh, but I could say, you know, Rob, I do have an idea. You know, what about this? And he may say, man, I didn't think of that. 
let's run it this way through this system, quote unquote, and we can make it happen. So uh, like you said, it is freeing, um, but it also lets you know that, you know, I, I can't control what I don't know. Mm, I love that. So there's, there's this uh, really old story um, and it, it's, uh, and it's been told in many different ways and actually Jesus told it as well. Uh, which is this the story of this guy who was riding his donkey and got beat up and left for dead. And all these people pass by. Imagine this is like the busy, the busiest highway of the time, right? Except, except for cars, it was donkeys. And, you know, guy rides by on his donkey. He's too busy. Next guy is too religious. He's too important. And finally the third guy stops and he gets off his donkey and he helps the guy who's been beat up. And the, the moral of the story, as I've heard it, is um, get off your ass and help someone. Uh, so, because <laughs> that's what they would call donkeys back then, you know. Um, so, for me, there's, <laughs> there's this notion of, um, and you hear about this person took the time, you know, they, they, they took their abilities, and then they actually paid for that guy to, to spend the night at a hotel. And so, they took their treasure. So, that, that's kind of where that time, talent, treasure idea comes into play. And so I've, I've been calling it triple T because, you know, I, you know, I work in marketing. You can't just call it what it is. You know, you got to trademark it and register it and put it on a hat, you know. So, so for triple T, I think, Joe, this is something I wanted to ask you about first is I know that you, you are, you know, award-winning designer at work. You're an entrepreneur. You know, you also do this um, amazing work with breaking bread, uh, bursting bubbles. I mean, you have a lot that you're juggling. And one thing I wanted to hear from you is how you've taken those, the time, talent, and treasure, and in particular, the, the talent part. You know, the, 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 it's a, for those who are not familiar with design work, it's not just about pretty, pretty pictures, right? It's about tools, not toys, right? It's, it's about- Preach, pre Luke, preach. Yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of time with designers in my day. As I, so I, I came up as a copywriter. You know, so I've, oh. I've, I've been partnered with designers a lot and it's, it's, it's about creating solutions. So I, I just love to hear from you, Joe, how, how your work, you know, in, in the for-profit world has translated into uh, the grassroots movement and work you're doing there. It's funny, uh, you had asked me, how do we sleep, right? And I, I know this <laughs> sounds like I'm, I'm finna divert, but it, it's all on topic and hopefully it makes sense. Yeah, please. Um, I'm really building an ecosystem. And when I say ecosystem, I'm not saying, I'm saying it to the degree of, I have spaces in life that uh, forces me and requires me and I absolutely love to give my skill sets, though they seem like in varying different places, they all are attached in some way. And that attachment um, is, you know, like I said, if, if I need counseling, I'm leaning into breaking bread, right? And my payback or my contribution to Breaking Bread is through, you know, giving ideas where it's related to creative direction or, uh, you know, creating a, an idea that's, that, that lends, here's my point of view, and maybe we can put it in this context, or maybe we can attach it to this picture. But all knowing that because it's associated with my level of work and the, the things that I'm interested in, uh, it also helps carries my voice, my ideas, my thoughts, and our collective um, perspective into into the world in a in a safe and powerful way so um, to me it's 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 me building that ecosystem and not and not living in a space where 
I have to do work over here. And then now I got to take care of my kids. And then now I have to go to church. And then now, well, no, all of it is one. You know, all of them are interconnected. And the anchorage from a creative standpoint is me, right? I, mm-hmm. Not totally me. I'm just saying that's for my, in my ecosystem, that's my, my anchorage. That's my leverage. That's what I use to, to you know, give back and to, to sow into to, to the space that I'm in. So um, that answers two questions at once, right? That's how yeah, I does. do it all, right? And, and, and what some may consider not, not sleep, but I can sleep because I'm not taking my brain off at work and then having to put a completely new brain on with breaking mm-hmm. bread. It's interconnected. And one of those reasons, and, and I close with this is, because I'm on my, I'm my authentic self. I can do that in both spaces without having to co-switch or change who I am in, in, in either. No, that's great. And I, I think that's, th- there's this image that I get when I hear about people say like, well, I'm, I hustle, you know, or I'm, I'm really burning the midnight oil or, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, and then there's a burnout and a fatigue that can happen. Uh, and you kind of picture someone kind of hunched over their laptop you know, at one in the morning saying like, oh, I got to finish this thing for work. Or I got to squeeze in this, this other commitment, or I got, I'm trying to, to build this business, or I'm trying to, right? And I, I think there, what I love about that is, is this notion of it, it almost feels like your world is a little more like pancakes, and, uh, and other people's world is more like waffles, you know, and they might say, oh, this is, this is the Luke, Luke at work. He doesn't talk about his passions or nonprofit work or you know, his faith or his family. He's just kind of this work robot. And then when he leaves, he exits the door. Okay, now he's this other creature, you know, that's just kind of building these things and working on armed and generous and, right. So I, I appreciate someone who lives the pancake life because it can get messy at times, you know, but it is, um, it is a way for it to all kind of hang together. And we keep ourselves, uh, and Rob would jump in, but we keep ourselves held to a certain standard also. Like, mm-hmm. Rob and I truly do work. We work all the freaking time. It's like this week, this call, this week, that call, we got mm-hmm. this. You know, it's, it's, it's constant work, but it's fun. And we came up with this standard called Rustic Lux. And I'll let Rob go into detail with that, you know, because this is a publication, so we want to coin it here first, folks. But <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Let Rusty me know. Is, um, and he can, he can explain that. But that's that's one of our standards that we hold ourselves to, to make sure that we we're doing it the way we're supposed to have it done. And he'll explain. So 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 Luke, we might need your help on that trademark copyright and all of that piece. Okay, um, just let me know. Uh, now I'm putting it out there now. We do need your help. Let me be explicit. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm um, in. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, so, so honestly, Rustic Lux is the compromise of Joe and I because we come from very different perspectives, right? And I will tell you, the diversity of thought is real. Joe being a creative and me being a process guy, we had to figure out a way that each of us will be comfortable and confident of what we were putting out. So, Joe being a creative there's always an opportunity to improve and make it a little bit better a little bit better <laughs> and, and and i'm the type of guy that i want to <laughs> get it done fluidly and and if it costs put money on it i'll put money on it and joe doesn't like putting money on it unless he has to so <laughs> rustic lux was our compromise where we kind of said to to each other we would put the best quality product out there with the least 
minimum investment required, right? So how do we still put a quality product that we could stand behind, um, but also do it in a way that challenges us to not throw a thousand dollars at something, you know, like don't go out and buy the best microphone, like get creative. Can you use your iPhone and can you use this? And is that good enough? Um, and as you, as opportunities present themselves, you elevate, right? So again, when Breaking Bread first started, there was nothing, right? It was just a group of people. As we shifted into a digital world, there were certain tools required, but rather than going out and buying, you know, the best camera, the best microphone, like what can we use that we already have? And what are those things that we need to bring in that will make us feel comfortable that what we're putting out there um, is something that we could stand behind. And that's that, that vulnerability piece, even in the process. So if you go back and look at our archives, when we first started, there was no lighting, the audio was terrible, but it was fine. Like, cause the content of what we were talking about was, was the meat. But as we started to create opportunities and people started, you know, coming out like, oh, well, now people are paying attention in a different way. Now it is time to elevate a little bit. And then circumstances present themselves that allow you the ability. All right, let's get an editor and let's work with somebody to to put together a narrative that we want to put out and protect as opposed to just go live and it can kind of go whichever way we want. So rusted luck is the compromise of Joe's perfectionist as a creativity and my you know, we'll just throw money at it and, you know, we'll figure it out and, and get there. That's great. Yeah, I think the, the creative process is a tough one because it's it feels like you're never really finished. It's hard to know when to put your, your pencil or paintbrush down. Uh, so it's good to have uh, a partner in crime like Rob, who is more of the engineering, chemistry, uh, measure twice, cut once uh, sort of mindset. So Rob, I'm going to hang on that for just a second too. So I talk about you know, your engineering and chemistry mind, uh, your, your mad scientist uh, abilities, um, and also your leadership uh, abilities as well. And so talk to us a little bit about how that, those skills and talents uh, and kind of work their way into what you're doing uh, with Breaking Bread and Bursting Bubbles. No, nah, for sure. So I would say, um, as Joe kind of said earlier, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a gumbo for me. So I'll give you the the foundational piece and then kind of where it builds up. So my father, I think I, I alluded to this, but I'll say my dad was in the military um, and he was enlisted. So his, originally his dream for me was to follow, you know, the military pathway, but to be an officer. Um, so, you know, I was going to go to college and be an officer because he saw the differences and would often speak to me the differences between being an officer in the military versus being enlisted. So from seventh grade all the way through my end of my freshman year of college, I was in ROTC. And, and I was, uh, I will say I learned a lot of my leadership style and values through going through, through ROTC. I had the opportunity in high school to serve as the, at the time, command sergeant major, which was the second highest um, within our school. And I led the drill team in a number of different things. I was a manager at McDonald's by the age of like 17 with keys opening the store. So I, I think I was always in a position of leadership. Um, often it was things people saw in me and I didn't quite see in myself. But when I took the ownership of identity of being a leader and started to respect it, that's when I started to feed into it. Um, so 
having the opportunity to go to college and, you know, start a, a career in a corporate setting, whenever any classes would present themselves to take, I would take them. I was, I was kind of forever curious and always looking to learn. But at the same time, I would often reflect on the managers and supervisors that I've had throughout my career and try to pull things and attributes that I liked about certain leaders and things that just rubbed me the wrong way about others, right? And, and within that sense of gumbo was me referencing lots of different experiences that kind of helped me form and forge my style but kind of still in something that Joe said earlier, all of that is anchored in this space of I'm going to be Rob and I, I, I can't be Luke. I can't be Joe, but I can be a really good Rob Smith. Um, so what I try to do is, is show up in a way that allows me to pay honor and respect to all of those that have invested in me throughout the years. One of my biggest um, fears in life is wasted potential. Um, I want to make sure I'm maximizing all that I can be and become. So, so for that, I'm forever soliciting feedback. I'm forever curious and I'm forever taking the road less, less travel because I want to make sure I'm challenging and pushing myself to its fullest potential. So a lot of great stuff today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much, Joe. It's been a pleasure guys. Thank you guys. Thanks Luke for having us. Appreciate the opportunity. All right. Thanks for being armed and generous. Well, it's time for our Triple T takeaways, three things that exemplify using either time, talent, or treasure. And thinking about this episode, thinking about breaking bread, I wonder if Panera would want to sponsor this section. Panera, if you're listening, we'll take a sponsorship if uh, you're interested. So the first thing here that stuck out to me was that Rob and Joe talked about Rustic Lux. No, it's not a hair care product. It's their creative energy harnessed by an intentional process. It's their yin and their yang. And what I love about this is the guys have not only found a rhythm for their work styles that are meshed together, but they've claimed it and they've named it. So what's your work style when you collaborate with others? What would you label it? How about the intersection of creativity and productivity? It's been said that ideas are easy, but execution is everything. So when you're making things that matter most, what's your version of Rustic Lux? Secondly, we talked about living the pancake life. It can get really messy at times, but living consistently across all contexts allows us to reach our full potential. How can the same you show up at work, at home, in your city, in your faith community, on social, wherever you are, wherever you go, how can the same you appear in every situation? How would each part of your life look different if you really showed up in the biggest ways possible as your authentic self in each area of your life? Then lastly, Rob said he wants to show up in a way that pays respect and honor to those who have invested in him and that one of his greatest fears is wasted potential. I think we can all relate to that. Think about the people that made sacrifices and allowed you to pursue things like higher education or open a business or even just have a healthy environment to grow up in. Think of your life as a marathon and the crowds of people who have surrounded the course to cheer you on. You're running the race. But when you stop and think about it, the many people who invested in you, think about their efforts and energy for you. How does that change the way you navigate day-to-day -day life? I know this challenged me to bring my best self and really show up. I hope it does for you too. You know, Rob and Joe are two great examples of people who are living the armed and generous life 
And if you'd like to learn more or get involved with their grassroots movement, I really encourage you to do so. You can find Breaking Bread on Instagram at breakingbread underscore let's talk and visit armedandgen.com or by searching armed ampersand generous on LinkedIn. As always, remember, doing good leads to growth. Let's get out there and let's be armed and generous.